Hey there, welcome to your favorite internet radio show, the <laughs> Sticky Buttons podcast, and we're back for a special episode, episode 85, which 8 plus 5 adds up to 13. Isn't that an unlucky number? It is an unlucky number, yes. Ah, it's a cursed episode. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? I'm your host, Blake. Gengar, that strikes again. Oh my gosh. The Gengar, the cursed episodes. <laughs> that's Jeez. A, we have a whole like crowd here. That's awesome. <laughs> I like that. We started something. I feel like you threw me off. I feel like we've had just... <laughs> we started something now. <laughs> the cursed episodes. Oh my gosh. The cursed episode, episode 85. Why did that pop I, up? <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Blake. This is Brandon. And we, we have a cursed episode for you today. <laughs> I guess we'll just jump right into it. I don't really have anything to add here. <laughs> but the first thing that I wanted to bring up to the show was Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Brandon. You've played this game, I'm sure. Yes, I have. They announced um, about a year ago that they were doing something called a Booster Course Pass, where they added 48 additional courses. They wow. added a couple additional players. And that's done. They've put everything out there and they kind of drifted out one cup at a time. So I guess really quick, they added the Golden Dash Cup, the Lucky Cat Cup, the Turnip Cup, the Protopeller Cup, the Rock Cup, and the Moon Cup. I'm sorry. And then they also added the Fruit Cup and the Boomerang Cup. And then they added, oh my God, geez. They added the Feather Cup, the Cherry Cup, the acorn cup and the spinny cup. So <laughs> that's a lot. I, I, that really just kept on going. They, <laughs> I was like, is they, he done? They, oh no, he's another cup. <laughs> I thought I was done. I was, I was reading it. So I guess when they announced this, they announced 48 new tracks, which wow. I guess just some, for some context that doubles the amount of courses in the game. And you can buy all of these for like 20 extra dollars is what the DLC costs. So you can double the courses in Mario Kart 8 for $20, or you just get all of these courses if you subscribe to Nintendo Plus Online Plus Expansion, which is their most premier tier service. Do you subscribe to that one? No, not the top tier. I just get the base. Yeah, I recently got the top tier, one for these Mario Kart courses and also for Game Boy Advance, because they have Game Boy Advance as a system there which it's crazy they've got snes nes they've got two sega consoles game boy and the game boy advance i just can't believe like pound for pound you get so much out of the subscription service it's just absolutely crazy but i just wanted to talk about this really quick because i've been jumping back into mario kart and i've been having an absolute blast with it and i actually i don't know if we've ever really talked that much about mario kart on the show so i thought it would be a fun time to just jump into our history with it and our overall thoughts. For sure. I can't remember the last time we've talked about Mario Kart on the show. I don't know if we ever have, to be honest. No, and Mario Kart 8 is one of my favorite Mario Karts. So I would say my experience with Mario Kart started with Double Dash, as far as I can remember. Okay, was that a GameCube game? It was a GameCube game, and I remember you had to press Y to swap the player that's driving... And mm -hmm. it was a really fun dynamic of having two riders on a car. Like two drivers, yeah. Because one person can focus on really sabotaging the other drivers. 
And mm-hmm. so it made it that much more exciting. And so that mm-hmm. was my intro into Mario Kart, I would say. And then I remember Mario Kart 7 was a big one. very competitive, especially in my family. That was 3DS, wasn't it? I think so. I can't remember. Because there was the Mario Kart for the DS. There's the Mario Kart for the 3DS. And then there was the Mario Kart for the Wii. Yeah. Those are really the three that I had the most experience with prior to the current Mario Kart. The Mario Kart with the Wii, I had a lot of experience with as well. Did you do the driving with the, yeah. the motion controls? Yeah, the accessory where you'd like... All the wheels? Yeah, that was really fun. Nice. And then, you know, Mario Kart 8 now with the mm-hmm. Switch. And that's... I mean, it's really fun, but I can't remember the last time I played that. Same with Super Smash Brothers. You know, I might I might have to set that up on the TV and have a, a session fan yeah you really should especially with all of these new courses i mean like obviously it doubles the size of the game and it's just incredible but i've actually been playing it a lot with my sister and we've been like hopping on the multiplayer and it's not like great (laughs) it kind of like the first time we did it we were like how do we do this like it's not the most intuitive but once you kind of do it a couple times it's and you have that muscle memory it's very easy to navigate but it works great, and it's been a lot of fun. We've just been hopping in. I had not unlocked all of the cars. I haven't unlocked all the cars. I don't think I've unlocked, like, all the like the wheels and, the, I guess, like, the... I don't know what they're called. They're, like, the hang glides on the back of the carts. Whatever those are called. I haven't unlocked all the those. The paragliders, so. I think. I don't know. The paragliders, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I haven't unlocked all those. So I'm just kind of, like, continuing to play and unlocking stuff and... Honestly, it's been a lot of fun, especially with the new courses. I've really been enjoying it. So it's I think forty-eight is an absurd amount, don't you think? Well, there's I guess what's forty-eight times two? Is that eighty plus twelve? It's ninety-two courses in total. My math right on that? Ninety-six. Ninety-six, yeah. Ninety-six, yeah. I mean, like that's almost a hundred courses. Like, I feel like you couldn't play that in an evening. Like, I feel like you couldn't sit down and I mean, I guess you could, but. I feel like that's a lot of Mario Kart. Like, they really just yeah, made it. you can't do that in an evening. And if you can, yeah. you should go outside. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> it's like my, my mom. She's like, Blake, go outside. That's your, your daily reminder from Brandon to get some fresh air. <laughs> but yeah, Mario Kart 8. It's been a joy to, to get back into and. I don't know. I've really been enjoying it. It's amazing to have a game like that still be supported in the way it is. It's such a staple, I feel like, Mario Kart. Yeah. I see Mario Kart being made for a long time, kind of like the Mario games in general. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they generally have like a really big staying power, too. I think what's crazy about this Mario Kart 8 or Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, I actually didn't know this, but it was a Wii U game originally mario kart 8 was a wii u game and then obviously the wii u is kind of a failure and when they launched the switch they made it mario kart 8 deluxe and it remains the highest selling switch game honestly it's really crazy because like so many of these courses that they added or they go back to like the game boy advance tracks like ds tracks and wii tracks they even have some double dash and mario kart tour tracks it's really awesome. I mean, one of my favorites is, I think it's called Mushroom Gorge. Yeah, Mushroom Gorge, which is for the Wii. They added that, and that's just been such a joy to play So that a one. lot of the new maps are kind of like homages to old maps, 
Yeah, they're pretty much the maps that they just brought them forward. Okay. And they're in the same graphical style. I see. Like, for example, they brought back Calamari Desert, which oh, was, I remember which was from one. M64. They've got Waluigi Pinball, which was from the DS. And, like, Mario Circuit 3 from the NES. And then they have one called New York Minute, which is from Mario Kart Tour. So, I mean, they really pulled these carts or these tracks from all different eras. And it's been so much fun to just get back into it because it really just expanded the game. There's just so much more to it. I can hear the timer in my head as clear as day. I don't know if you can do it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's yeah, like I know exactly what you're talking about. It's very, very catchy. Oh, man. Jeez, I feel like I'm then going to hear that as I'm drifting off to sleep tonight. I'm going to hear the... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, Nintendo gets that. They're good at the music and just getting it to be very catchy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And okay, so I guess here's a list of the characters, or I guess the racers that they added to the DLC. They added Birdo. They added Kamek. They added PD Pariah, they added Wiggler, Funky Kong, Diddy Kong, Pauline, and Peachette. There you go. Nintendo Switch Online, or I'm sorry, this is the Booster Pack, Booster Course Pass DLC. It's got a great ring to it, but (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's Mario Kart. What have you been playing, Brandon? The Revival of Mario Kart. Oh, dude. I've had like zero time to play, but what I have been playing is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I found some time. Oh my gosh, you're really you're still playing this. I was man. just playing this earlier. I found some time. <laughs> I had texted one of my friends. And was like, hey, can we can we run some Texas? And he was like, Yeah, I'm down. And it's just like it's that good. We're always down to get back on it. And it's just that thrill of like, oh, leather mm-hmm. faces. I hear that chainsaw, and then whenever they're nearby, your screen like turns yellow, so it lets you know. Mm-hmm. And man, it's nerve wracking. And after the day I've had, it just, it really like. It's the chaos and the thrill of being alive really do it for Brandon. Yeah, they do. I love roller coasters <laughs> and <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really wonder about this game. Do you know if there's ever been a game like it? Like one that there has is. Like similar mechanics? Yes. Or? And I played that one too. That one is called Friday the 13th. I believe and it was it was just based off of jason and so it would be a similar premise i believe there were more survivors there was about five or six and it was just Mm -hmm. jason no family members it was just one killer which meant that the killer had more powers the killer was a little more scary Mm. but it was a different pace personally i prefer texas chainsaw massacre i feel like they definitely improved upon elements that they didn't quite get right on friday the 13th and so i'm really enjoying enjoying texas chainsaw massacre as you can see i mean i'm always playing like it's just it's one of those games i still haven't beat spider-man i mean mm. yeah that's something that you're jumping onto texas instead of spider-man yeah man that's i'm not gonna man. lie the other night i went onto my playstation app just because I, I saw like there was a game on my wish list that was on sale and i wanted to look at it and i saw brando was playing texas chainsaw and i was like man it's like it's like before noon <laughs> <laughs> You're really out there for the thrills, man. Yeah, yeah. It's a game that, like, if I'm tired, dude, it'll wake me up. Like, it really Mm -hmm. will. I could be in a dark room, tired, but it's going to get, it's going to wake me up. Yeah. That's good. That's awesome. I I put it on my wish list. I'm kind of waiting for a sale 
but I'm I'm excited to hop in. Oh, this dude, we have such a fun stream trying to just escape, <laughs> dude. And people are too good at this game. Like they're just, yeah, too good at it. It's kind of scary. It's your guy from your rental or your mom and pop shop near you. He's a video <laughs> game store. He's devotes yeah. all his spare time to. Yeah, he's. Texas I, I bet he's really good at it. Like. Earlier, mm-hmm. I had someone messing with me. Like, they were just messing with me in the game, and they let me think I got mm-hmm. away. And then I turn a corner, and they're right there. It's not like a scary movie. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So they, like, had you pinned. Yep. Dang. Yep. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I do actually want to talk about a couple other games that I've been jumping into, if you don't mind. Yeah. Have you heard about Fortnite OG? Yes, I have about heard about update? the wave. Shout out to Mark, who's <laughs> been on the podcast before. He's been playing a lot of it. He's been hitting me mm-hmm. up to get on it. I just don't want to fall down that rabbit hole, Blake. Well, I'll give you my thoughts on it, man, and, and it might make it easier for you to get in. I mean, I guess let me ask you this. Do you have any nostalgia for the original Fortnite map? You were still in high school when the original Fortnite came out, weren't you? Yeah, I was, and I still played it. I definitely do have nostalgia for the original Fortnite map because that's... I remember that most vividly, my experience of Fortnite. Okay. I've had most Fortnite games in that method. All right. Well, if you have any nostalgia for the Fortnite OG map, you got to hop in because it's truly only going to be around for another like month at this point, like after December, like they're moving on. So it's a very short, I guess, quote unquote season for them. And it's been very interesting jumping back in. I jumped into it right away with, I guess, Carter and Ian, who have both been on the podcast. Actually, I jumped in with Andrew and another one of our friends, too. And it just... Oof. I did not like it, to be honest, because I feel like in recently Fortnite's really made a, I mean, obviously they have no build now. So a lot of the no build Fortnite, which really brought me in, it's all about movement and it's all about like finding like movement items that'll give you the advantage if you get caught out in the open or like to outmaneuver an enemy is really more important than having like, like a legendary gun and they added like motorbikes like one of my favorite things to do in fortnite over like the last couple of years is just like just get into a match just hop on a bike and just like do like tricks off of a mountain this is like just launch yourself off a mountain on a bike and like do some tricks and <laughs> i love those dirt bikes that they added like two seasons ago they're really cool and they added like grind rails like they've added so much stuff like over the past like year plus with the no builds mode and then with Fortnite OG, they, they put you in the OG map and you don't have any of it. And I really kind of thought when they were like, Oh, like it's Fortnite OG, they're going to like give you all of these options. And they like, they didn't give you anything. So like, it's really hard to find shield. It's hard to find health items. Like if you get those, you really got to hoard them. I guess in contrast to the Fortnite of like the past year, like if you get injured, like it's so easy just to like escape and then like, go to like a random house and you'll find enough healing items to get you through. And it's just like so different. Like it really is. It's like hard. It's like hard original Fortnite because like the whole map was built for building. There's just so much open space. If you have like a gun with a scope, like it gives you such an advantage. And if you can just get lucky enough to get shields right in the beginning, that's a huge advantage as well. And it's really kind of crazy. Like just like, the pace of play and just it's just different i guess my current theory is i guess i don't know by the time that this podcast comes out i guess we'll know but it's really only been out for like a week at this point so 
my kind of theory is that every week they're just going to like add more and more movement stuff in. And then by the end of it, like come December, it's just going to be like a broken mess of this. Like the original map is just going to be like the funnest playground because there's so much open space. They're going to have given like so many movement options. So I'm kind of excited for that to happen if that happens, but that's my theory of what's going to happen. And dude, it's fun. It's crazy. You got to hop in because it's tough. You know, it's fun when, it has Blake theorizing about what's going to happen. <laughs> That's how you know it's a fun time. Dude, you're making me want to hop back into Fortnite and sell that. I do actually have a confession. We don't really talk about it here on the Sticky Buttons podcast, but I would say over the last like two years, I've pretty much played Fortnite just about once a week. And I do this just like I kind of play it more like socially just because like it's a game that everybody has because it's free to play. There's like if somebody has a PlayStation or an Xbox or a PC, like you can hop into a lobby with them. Like if, if anybody has any kind of gaming setup, like even a Switch, like I have a friend that just has a Switch and I'll, you know, be I can play with him on my PlayStation. That's and it's just a game that everybody has. I don't necessarily like it all that much. And a lot of times I dislike it, but you can't deny it's a game that everybody has. And just because of that, it's just so accessible to go from... Oh, you have a system? Well, let's play Fortnite because that's a game that we can play we can across play. platform. Yeah. And I hope that that is the future with better games. Like, I think that, you know, Fortnite has been so successful here with this that I think it's if players want to play the game and they can get it to all these platforms, I think that would be a goal, you know, for any kind of game. And I guess that's the future that I hope is that, hey, like, if you pay $10 for this game, like it doesn't matter if you bought it on your phone or if you bought it on your Xbox, you bought it on your PlayStation, we could all play it. And I think that that's the future. But right now, it's just, just Fortnite. I mean, there's like Apex 2, like Apex Legends, but it doesn't quite have the same... I don't think so, yeah. I don't like Apex. Like, I guess, unanimity. I've tried it, but it just doesn't have quite the same... Like, it's not Fortnite for me, personally. I'm sorry if you're an Apex supporter. Yeah. You know, I apologize, <laughs> but Fortnite's where my heart is at. Yeah. It's fun to get into it. And it's one of those things where, I don't know, I feel like with Fortnite, you're going to, eventually it's going to get repetitive. It's going to become a shallow experience. And For sure. I think that happens quickly. Like, I feel like just the the highs of playing it, you know, I think there's high highs and low lows. But it's definitely like, especially like if you've been a player that has played the original, like definitely jump into it. And just to kind of see the contrast of where it's been. Because the odds are if you played it at the beginning, you've played it at least once since. And you've seen the differences. So it's fun to look back. But also, I guess before we move on to the next thing, I just kind of want to shout out that before they launched this Fortnite OG, they, Epic, the company that makes and publishes Fortnite, they had a like a huge round of layoffs. And I don't know, it, it was kind of just really sad. I mean, they laid off a bunch of people, so I don't know. Obviously, like, definitely jump in, but maybe don't support them by buying the Battle Pass if you haven't, just because it, I mean, it's been well-documented, well-reported on, like, you can look it up outside of this, but I don't know. It just felt, I don't know, I haven't bought the Battle Pass, and I don't know if I will, just because it feels kind of scummy that they, I mean, like, they truly had, they, like, broke their own record of recurrent players when they launched Fortnite OG, and they had layoffs, like, a week before. I feel like they had to have known that it was going to be big, 
And instead of like holding out to see if maybe it would be big enough to save these employees, they they let them go anyways. It's rough, man. It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth, personally. Yeah, it's definitely not not a good look. Yeah, certainly not. Honestly, it's been kind of crazy. I don't, I don't really know if Brandon and I want to get into it here on this podcast, but we've talked a little bit off the show about just how bad it's been in the industry this year with so many layoffs. So. You know, why not? I try to talk about it with people. And no one really seems to like understand the gravity of it because I guess it's the video game industry and it doesn't quite get like the same kind of, I don't know why, but whenever I seem to talk about it with people in my Mm -hmm. personal life, they're kind of just like, you know, well, that's rough. They lost their jobs. But I think the point here is that Fortnite being a great example, you know, people really high up made a lot of money. And then they just got rid mm-hmm. of the people who made them all that money and reaped yeah. all the benefits. And it, I mean, that's, that happens in all types of businesses and all types of industries. But when you see how much Fortnite generates and just how little staff they have, it feels kind of wrong. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I guess just to kind of mirror that, it it kind of feels like... I guess with video games and I mean like we kind of went out of our way about a year or so ago to try and learn more about like how video games are made and I think I mean we have an episode on blood sweat and pixels in our back catalog that you can listen to and I think that was just the beginning for us and we I mean obviously we don't make games but just learning I think that that learning and interest you know about the things that we love I think kind of spilled out a little and I I mean for me personally I consume a lot of like gaming news and I follow a lot of like indie developers on social media and I guess the sentiment that really comes off is that in the video games industry in particular like it's just so exploitative because it's a creative process you know making these games and to have it you know come down to a, I don't know, a corporate decision it just it feels a little bit I guess more wrong than the normal or I guess in other industries. And I kind of actually, there's a great website out there and I'll link it in the show notes. It's called videogamelayoffs.com and it's videogamelayoffs.com. And I don't necessarily know if it came up because of this year or if it's been around prior, but they've got this great data on like how many people that have been like laid off in the the video game industry. That's amazing. in this year alone in 2023, it's estimated that about almost 8,000 people have been laid off. And I kind of just want to just run through a couple that happened this month in particular. So these, everything that I'm going to be reading happened in November of 2023. So there's a studio called Two Desperados. They announced layoffs today that affected about 20 people. Digital Bros Group announced the 14th of, I guess it's the 16th of November today. Two days prior, the 14th, there were three video game companies um, announced layoffs. Digital Bros Group announced they'd lay off about 130 people. Humble Games and had a layoff on the 14th as well. An unknown amount of people were let go. Congregate Games, also the 14th of November. An unknown amount of people were let go. The day prior, the 13th of November, Amazon Games, 180 people were let go. Digital Extremes, 
about half a week prior, the 9th of November, about 30 people were let go. Free Radical Designs, the day prior, about 80 people were let go. Ubisoft, the day prior to that, about 135 people were let go. And a week prior to that, Chimera Entertainment, about 15 people were let go. In the same day, Cyprix Studios also announced layoffs and an unknown amount of people were let go. And that was following two, I guess, so this is in October now. So the last day of October, Bungie, the creators of, oh my gosh, was that Destiny 2? They let go about 100 people. And that was not the only layoff within like a three-day period. So I guess like if you're looking at it, like just in November alone, like we're halfway through the month, like almost 500 people lost their jobs in the video game industry. Like that's crazy. That's insane. I mean, like, that's truly insane. It's absolutely insane, especially when you consider how great of a year it's been for video games, right? Yeah. I mean, so many games have come out. And I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a creative process where corporate or boards are ultimately reaping all the benefits from it. And the real artists, the real people who are sacrificing blood, sweat, and tears to create mm-hmm. these things these experiences for us are not being rewarded and that's unfortunate yeah it's kind of crazy because you know at the end of the day it's a creative artistic process that kind of the end result of it is a consumer product and it's just a very i mean obviously the economics of it are very complicated but what's not complicated about it is that it's a very new industry relative to other industries and there's not legislation that protects you know the workers and i guess something that really just stuck with me over the past couple weeks learning about this is that a lot of these people are contractors and that like it's very common in the video games industry for when a game is done to let go like the majority of the staff and for them to just find the next gig and i think that that's just that just sucks like the people that make the things that we love should be able to have stable incomes. Like if I was looking to get a job, I honestly would look at this and say, no, nah, I'm going to do something else. Yeah. This is absolutely um, crazy. I'm not going to go into video game design or anything like that. It's not stable. I mean, yeah. it's the same reason I love art, but I didn't go to art school. You yeah. Know, it's like, at the end of the day, it doesn't pay the bills. Not in a city like New York. I mean, yeah, it's not true. But so you get to just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and it's very challenging. And I, I guess we don't really have you know the answers for this. For I guess we don't, but that's why we do do things like boycotting yeah. games. You know, we we're trying not to buy as many games this coming year. Yeah, I don't be personally. I'm gonna try to not buy as many games. Like UFC Five came out, and I would really. In the past, I would have bought that in a heartbeat, but now I'm like a little hesitant to uh, continue to support EA. Maybe if it goes yeah. on sale or something, but yeah. Yeah, I've really honestly, like, I've been personally, I guess, really struggling like the past two months. Like, I've just had this like bad taste in my mouth. Like, I haven't bought a game and I just don't want to. I don't want to support this industry right now. And Me too, Blake. I feel you. It's something in the air. It's a bad energy. Yeah. I don't like it. It's just people getting taken advantage of. And it's because they know who the consumer is too, right? The consumer are 
largely children and, and people who are not thinking about that process and thinking about, well, who was the person who actually made this game for us? And they're not thinking about, yeah. right? And not saying mm-hmm. that it's the consumer's responsibility. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure if I totally agree that it's mainly kids. I think video games have become more ambiguous and, and more people are playing them than ever. Yeah. I do think that just because it's such a new industry, I do think there is a very large disconnect between the making of the game and the game itself. And I guess I actually want to, you know, I want to use Starfield as an example here. Like that game lit the world on fire and the majority of that was because of the marketing of it. Like I had people like that weren't necessarily interested in games, like, or I wouldn't necessarily consider them like a big gamer. Like, ask me like, hey, like, are you going to get Starfield? Like, are you excited for that game? I don't know about you, but I feel like that, like, I guess that is an example. People were interested in that game, but I mean, even after the games come out, like, I mean, people were working on that game for like seven years and we know, like, we know almost nothing about it, like how it was made, like the process, like we only know a couple people that were in the marketing material. Those are the only faces that we see and like thousands of people worked on that game. So just that disconnect is, is very present. And I think because of that, it's just not top of mind for people when they think That's about very true. games. They're disconnected from the production process. It's mm-hmm. funny not to talk about Elon Musk because I don't think he's the best <laughs> businessman, but I was listening to a podcast with him recently. He was... I thought this was actually kind of funny. I'm glad I'm bringing this up. He was saying how a lot of people who purchase his Cybertruck are upset because of the production timeline. And he was complaining that there is a disconnect where the people who are purchasing his Teslas don't understand car manufacturing and just how extensive it is to actually create a car. But to (laughs) me, I was kind of like, knowing his business practices and his history, I was kind of like, are you complaining about having to do your job? (laughs) Like... That's, you know, you sold people this product and so now you have to make it for them and deliver it in a timely mm-hmm. manner. But that was something that was really interesting. But that disconnect, again, going back to this topic, that disconnect of the consumer who's consuming that end product and not understanding kind of the input that went into, yeah. into that output. Yeah. I mean, I think you bring up a good point. I feel like, you know, we in our culture, we're really not tied to, you know, the production of things. And there is, I think, an intentionally a disconnect. And I think because just everywhere along the way, like, the easiest way to make a profit is to exploit somebody. It's not the best way, but it's the easiest way. Yep. And I guess, you know, going to business school, like, that's kind of harped in on us. Like, that's why slavery existed for thousands and thousands of years. Like, the easiest way to make a profit is to exploit someone along the way. Yep. And... I don't know. I think that that's just something that's worth, I guess, thinking about. And I guess it's just to go back in American history, like there was, I guess, a very big disconnect between like how our food was made and like people consuming it. And and then there was uh, those books published on the slaughterhouses in Chicago and how inhumane those were and yeah. how they were more New York too. Like assembly lines yeah upton sinclair i believe his name was yeah yeah i think you're right and just how those books like the publication of those books and the the journalism involved led about change and it, it took a president i don't i don't know which one but it took him to be reading that book while he was eating like a sausage uh, for him to like we got to change this you know i think that that is you know i think that just because 
there is that disconnect. We there's just this huge gap, and I think we got to bridge that. We do. Mm-hmm. I think we're you know doing what we're doing here is kind of journalism in a way, and mm-hmm. we're helping out in that sense of right. We're we're highlighting the issue, and whenever someone yeah. might listen to this, even if it's five years from now, they can look back at this time period and say like, wow, these two consumers can highlight an issue going on in the industry mm-hmm. and, and point to it and we can look back at this time and hopefully from a time period in which you know these people are not being exploited to the level that they are being exploited now no but i'm glad that we talked about it on the podcast and we'll continue to talk about it because the strike as i'll call it for lack of a better word it's gonna be hard like <laughs> It's going to be difficult. There's a lot of good games coming out. You know, I almost wonder if maybe we should, you know, take some kind of strike for us. Like, what could we do? Like, I mean, obviously, like, boycotting, you know, but maybe we could, I don't know, plant a flag in the sand and say, hey, we're going to not buy games for a year or something. And I don't know what the answers are, but maybe the two of us could make a difference in that way somehow. For sure. Well, on that note, I guess I'll highlight another game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's get right to it. Uh, It actually kind of fits nicely. It's a game that's been out for a very long time, but it came to to a platform recently that you probably would not have to go out and buy the game to play it. And it's kind of, I guess, a storied indie game. The game is called Dead Cells, which, have you heard of Dead Cells? I've not. So I guess... Dead Cells, I guess it's kind of an indie roguelike where you're kind of side-scrolling and doing platforming and you can pick up different weapons, different buffs. You know, there is a kind of roguelike nature to it. And the game was very successful. It came out on, it's out on PlayStation, Xbox, PC, Android, and mobile. You could get it anywhere. And obviously, again, this is an indie game studio and you can buy the base game for around like $15 and they have a, a ton of DLCs. But recently this came to mobile through, I guess, the lens of Netflix. So if you have a Netflix subscription, you can download the game and play it for, I guess, quote-unquote free or for the price of your Netflix subscription, which obviously you get a different service for, I guess, being the Netflix app that you can watch you know, movies and TV shows on it. And I've always really wanted to play Dead Cells, but it's just been one of those games where it's it's a very popular indie game. You know, it's only $15. Like, they don't really put it on sale very often. And I've had it on my wish list, and I've always wanted to check it out, but never really knew if I was going to like it. So I picked it up on, on the App Store and was able to play it via Netflix and had a great time with it. If you have Netflix and a phone, <laughs> I would absolutely recommend you know, giving this game a try. I mean, I do have a backbone controller, so I was able to put my phone in a backbone controller, but I think that that's, yeah, I mean, I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I actually really been enjoying it. I've only played a couple runs, so I can't really speak that much to it, but I did kind of just want to highlight it as a game that you can play without buying a new game. Um, Dead Souls. Strangely fits into the conversation that we had. It does. But yeah. Speaking about games you can play without buying any game, mm-hmm. Pokemon Heart Gold. I've still been playing a lot yes. of that. Yeah. So moving what forward. gym are you on? Right now, I'm about to fight the Steel type. So I was just in... I had to go up into the lighthouse. Okay. Okay. And there's a, a sick Pokemon up there. Right. The Am- a sick Amphros. Right. I was just there helping her out. 
now I'm just progressing about, dude, taking my time, really building up my team because mm-hmm. you have to, you know, the trainers are a little stronger. Yeah, they are. Do you have your DS by you? Would you mind telling me your team? Yeah, I do have my DS. So my team is looking, I have a full stack team right now. I, I got all six early on and mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm kind of taking Ash's approach where he trains up oh, a yeah? bunch, bunch of different Pokemon at once. Mm-hmm. I've since replaced my starter Pokemon. Oh wow! I breeded another Cyndaquil that's of the nature okay. that I need, and mm-hmm. I've trained them up again. So just to give you perspective as to how much I've been playing hard gold, <laughs> right now I'm at like forty. What's your hours. hour count? Forty-three. Forty-three. Hours. Yeah. Jeez. So I wonder what mine is. Right now I have Magneto on my team, which is a Magnemite, mm-hmm. and then I have Olivia on my team. And Olivia is a far-fetched. Okay. All right. That's a good pick to have. Did you catch that one? I caught her in the in, wild. In the forest? She's, she's, yeah, she's a mm. rare. I actually didn't catch her in the forest. I caught her on the grass. Where did I catch her? You should tell me. On Route 39. That's crazy. So, okay, really quick. You're 43 hours in? Yeah. That's crazy. I'm only 40. Well, I've only played 41 hours of this game. And you already have. How many badges do you have? I've got all eight. So I need to, Yeah, I'm, taking I'm going my on time. to the next region. So that's nuts, man. I can't believe yeah, you've dude, played really this that much. I've trained a lot of Pokemon. And it's just because it's so easy to travel. And mm-hmm. I kind of like, I like the aesthetic of it. It's old school. It's like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fun to just have. Something about just like having the DS with you, man. Like that's exactly. just so nice. Like you can always just pull it out. And oh. It's a great, it's, I love how timeless that is. Like you can mm-hmm. now in 2023. I can still cherish this piece of technology. And it, it works just as well. So I have Quilava on my team as well, who okay. I had Modest is actually the best nature for a Quilava. I thought it might have been like Adamant or something, mm-hmm. but it's Modest because it brings down the attack, but it increases the special attack for those fire moves. Mm-hmm. And then I have a Noctowl, who's a Jolly Noctowl. Oh, wow. So okay. She's very fast. Very, very mm-hmm. fast. Eevee training her. And then I have <laughs> Anita Reno, who's a timid okay. nature. So he's really, really fast. He's quick to flee. It says, I'm sacrificing his attack for his speed stat. Because he is a pretty big Pokemon. He's a tank. Mm-hmm. He's going to take a lot of hits. But he will catch you off guard with how fast he is. And then last but not least, I have my Butterfree, which is a timid nice. nature. Very, very fast. Very, very fast mm-hmm. Pokemon. So I have a really fast team. Honestly, the only tank I have is it's going to be Nidoking. And I think I'm going to leave Nidoking on the team long term. What Pokemon do you EV or do you do you train for speed? Or how do you EV train for speed? Because I guess the only way I know how to EV train is you, you find like a Pokemon yeah, that, has that, like that has the high IVs, and that's that. That has those mm-hmm. IVs. I don't know who has the speed IVs. Maybe like a Pikachu. Maybe okay. like... A fast Pokemon. So are you like specifically doing IVs for like different stats than speed or? I'm pretty much just doing the nature. I'm just building them up at okay. a specific nature and then spending the time in the grass, like fighting, mm-hmm. trying to just level them up for the most part. I'm not like EV training to a T, but okay. I am working with the nature because it does help to have like, yeah. I have noticed mm-hmm. that in battles where if you have the right nature, it just really helps. Yeah, I, I don't know. For whatever reason, I feel like the first time I play a region, I normally don't. 
I guess when I was a kid, I always did, like, I always subscribed by this. I don't know. It was in my head. Like, it was just an arbitrary rule. That's like, if you see one, you should always, like, the first one that you see, that's the one that you should catch and put on your team. (laughs) I guess I'm a little more sentimental. (laughs) It's funny because I think about the anime. In the anime, I remember Paul was one of uh, Ash's rivals and the whole Mm -hmm. dynamic they had, like, the show's was that Paul didn't care about Pokemon at all. Like, he would, oh, like, abuse no. his Gliscor. Like, he would be really mean to them and just release them into the wild. While Ash was, like, you know, he's Ash. He cares about his Pokemon. He takes his Pikachu yeah, everywhere. And so it's funny that as you had that kind of approach to your Pokemon, even in the game, as you were playing. That's awesome. Yeah. I definitely had that approach for sure. My starter Pokemon, like, I always... Always held on to my starter Pokemon. I still remember my first Swampert. I'll never mm-hmm. forget my first when my Mudkip became a Swampert. And I was mm. just like, man, we went a long yeah. way. Yeah, mine was a Sceptile. Ah, oh, jeez. I really want. I've I've been trying to shiny. Or I guess to breed a shiny Trico in Sword and Shield. It has not been working for me. <laughs> but dude, that would be so cool. It is. I cannot believe how long it takes to breed a shiny Pokemon. Yeah. So I guess the way I'm doing it is I have the shiny charm, which you get for completing the Pokedex, and I'm doing the Masudo method. So I should be like able to do it in like half odds, which I guess so I should only be able to have to <laughs> breed like 4,000, which is crazy to think about. But I've only bred a couple hundred. Like, I mean... You got to think like, I mean, like I've done like a, like 10 or 12 boxes of them and it's just nowhere even close. That's a lot. Played. It's a lot. Well, maybe someday I'll, I'll get a shiny Trico. I believe in you. Thanks, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh man, I don't really have too much else to say. I mean, I absolutely love these games and 3DS. I'm so happy that we're bringing it back. I don't know. I think that maybe I might have to start taking this 3DS with me a little bit more, take it out of the house and... I don't know, maybe just try and capture some of that. Because, I mean, these games are great. Like, I mean, yeah, they're a little bit old. Maybe some of them are a little bit dated, but they really hold up. They're just well-designed. They're just great games, and they're, they're timeless. Mm-hmm. I think they have, a, like, a really good art style, too, that kind of ages well. They do. The art style is... And that's, that's something that I just... I think about a lot, is, like, how did they achieve that? You know, like, were they actively thinking about that, or were they just making something for the at the time were they just making the best they could yeah i don't know i mean i guess i would think that they had like at the time i'm sure that they were thinking to themselves like we could make this of a certain art style and it would look a certain way and i guess to kind of expand on that thought i guess if you look at like the generation three remakes like oh my gosh what is it like alpha sapphire omega ruby like, if you look at those, those are of a different style. Yeah. It's not the same Game Freak team, right? I'm not sure if it... I mean, I guess I would assume not, because it was... Yeah, actually, I don't think so. I know that HeartGold was the last, like, the original team. It was their old to Pokemon. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, some of the original, I guess, developers and designers that worked on... And you can feel it. Like, it feels like I'm mm-hmm. playing Emerald sometimes. Like, just the feel, the way when I'm looking at my party, the way the Pokemon are just bouncing, like... The little things like yeah, that I remember yeah. for the nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? And it gets all the nostalgia in a way that these other Game Freak teams just can't quite get. 
Yeah, I don't know. I really do have, I guess, like a sour taste in my mouth for some of the newer titles. Yeah, like I think about, I try to go back. Like, it's not like I just wholeheartedly drop these games. Like Legends Arceus, I tried to go back and play. Not even, not like the latest one that I bought this whole Switch for. The Scarlet and Violet? See, I can't even remember the name. Scarlet and Violet. The classroom thing just threw me off, dude. I was like, oh, man, I'm not like... What do you mean? Like the scene where everybody's sitting in the classroom and it's like... No, 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 no. Like hopping back into the game after a long time and then just being in front of the Pokemon school and remembering like, mm. oh, shit, this is a whole thing in this game. Like I had to go to like the school, take classes and stuff. And I don't think you have to. I think it's an optional. No, it's definitely optional, but it's just like just remembering that this game is totally different now. Playing Heart Gold and then going into something like Scarlet and Violet, you should try it. Yeah. It's just it. I have gone back recently, and I don't know. I'm actually, I think the idea of it is really interesting, and I really like. I don't know. I I like the idea of it. Like I actually personally really enjoyed the raids of Sword and Shield, and I think that they were expanded on a little bit in. Scarlet and Violet. I actually really like the raids. That's the majority of my time was spent in those raid battles, just jumping in the online matches. But with the game, like I, the performance really bothered me. I have a lot of patience for games that, like I don't have a 4K TV. Like I, I have a lot of patience for going back to old games. Like I was just playing a, a game from the Sega Genesis this past week, which maybe I'll talk about later, <laughs> through the Nintendo online service, like. And I really enjoyed it, but I, I don't have a problem playing old games, but I guess with Scarlet and Violet, like the performance really does get in the way for me. And it, it does not perform the game. Just, I don't know. The game's not finished. It doesn't really perform at a, a good, I don't know if it's frame rate. I don't know if it's optimization. I'm not sure what it I is. I think you're totally right. The game is not finished. I think that they were very ambitious, the Pokemon company trying to release two mm-hmm. huge titles in the same year or even within like that time frame of the month even if it was more than 12 months two titles like legends arceus and scarlet and violet within that time frame i yeah, think they bit off more they can chew and you can see it in both games you can see it in legends arceus and you can see it in scarlet violet yeah i don't know i'm a little bit sad i think it's a missed opportunity because i think that both of the ideas they do something really cool oh like, it's, i it's really enjoy concept great concept yeah. first open world pokemon game like come on we were yeah. so excited about that like and i still and am I, for the most part it feels cool to like walk around an open world and i have the sick team that i have in scarlet yeah and Violet. my team is great my team is is insane yeah I mean, maybe i, I should go eat. back I, it's just that i don't know something that really bothered me when i'd get to the a town and the gym building it just looked like a amalgamous skyscraper like it i don't know it's just the same in every every town like i feel like it was just missing that genesis quad that like little bit of touch of character but i mean also like i don't know like the pop in like the game just didn't perform like it did not meet the the minimum standards and from a performance standpoint it definitely Mm -hmm. lacked and also from an artistic standpoint like when i you know you said that when you go to the, the gym and you see that skyscraper and it's kind of the same thing in every different town, mm-hmm. it's kind of that lack of character, that lack of, of um, attention to detail, if you will. You know, I walk through any mm-hmm. town in hard gold and even though it's, 
it's pixelated and it's like 2D. You know, I still they feel... They all look different. They all look different. They all have mm. their own vibe. They all have... I still feel like I'm in a different town and, and that I want to explore and interact with it. Whereas in, yeah. in Scarlet Invited, I'm not getting that same kind of inviting... Like, hey, this is this town. There are all these sorts of mysteries. There are all these people here. You can, like, I'm not mm-hmm. getting that vibe at all. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just not... No, I don't think it's you. And I also think that, you know, I mean, something that's been around since the first game is you could go up to a building and you could go into the building. Yeah. I mean, I guess that that's something that, like, we didn't really talk about or maybe... I mean, you walk up to a building, you, like, walk into the store, like, a store door, and it's a menu. Like, you cannot go, like, if you go yeah. to a Poke Center. Oh, like, my God. Like, yeah, that, that it's a menu. Weird. Like, there's this big town, right? This huge town, Scarlet and Violet. And you can't go And anywhere. then you'll, you'll find this building. Like, yeah, a lot of them you can't even enter. It's just all, like, all for show. And then you'll go somewhere, you're like, finally, somewhere I can enter. And then you can't even enter. It's just a menu that pops up. That's an example of, like, they bit off more than they can chew. Because if they had taken more time, those little things are important. You know, building that interaction with the city. What is the city? Mm -hmm. What stores are here? Who works at these stores? Right? Like, there's so much there. But, again, the timelines. You know, drop two great projects like that. It's it's hard. You know, I I get that. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess just here at the Sticky Buttons podcast, we try to be as positive as possible. And we... Just really quick, I feel like we haven't really talked about this game because we didn't have anything nice to say about it. But, I mean, it was just so ambitious, like an open-world Pokemon game. I mean, so ambitious. But, I mean, that's the the number one thing about an open-world game is don't make an open-world game filled with space that you can't use, can't interact with. Yeah, and I think that just in the cities, it was just personified, I guess, the problems with that. And, And I think that it just, I don't know, for me personally... Like, I think that, like, some of the Pokemon designs that are unique in that game are absolutely, like, incredible. Like, yeah. what's that one psychic type with, like, a hammer? That That is a sick Pokemon. And they've got some, like, really cool exclusives for Scarlet and Violet. And I think what just what's just a tragedy is that it's, like, 89% of the way there. And if they had, like, been given another six months or a year, like, maybe it could have been. I remember when games would take, like, two to four years. To come out, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think Starfield. I mean, Starfield. They worked on it for seven years, and that didn't. But specifically, like Pokemon games. Like I yeah. remember having mm-hmm. to wait, as you know, having to wait for my my next Pokemon game to come out, and mm-hmm. you know, they gradually got like a, in a twelve month period, we got BDSP, Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl, Legends Arceus, and Scarlet and Violet, and that was in, within twelve months. Like they should have waited a little bit. I mean, obviously, I don't want to backseat. Yeah, but but. That's pretty obvious that they, they yeah they they really should have waited and and also too like quant quality over quantity right I I do think that it says a lot about the Pokemon company that they're just trying to like put out these games and and not give the Pokemon player especially the the people who've been there since the start who got you here um not give them those experiences that they're looking for. In these newer games yeah. that you know that you can make, you can give them, right? You know, if you just waited a little bit long, six more months, maybe a year, you could have gone a little more, f- but that you were going to make the money anyway. You were going to make the sales anyway. And you just put it yeah. out. You put out a subpar product, which is okay. People cut corners all the time in business. It's just rough as a long-time supporter. 
I mean, here I am with this amazing Scarlet Violet, this brand new Switch, and I'm playing the mm-hmm. 3DS Heart Gold version. Is there something wrong <laughs> with me, Blake? Maybe. No, it's, I, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's not something with you, man. It really is. It, it's just such a missed opportunity. I mean, for me personally, they really tarnish their their reputation. Like, I'm not gonna pre-order or, or go buy the next Pokemon game day one. Yeah, me either, for sure. I'm gonna see the reviews and see some let's plays. How are people enjoying it? And then I might I might hop into it. Even then, I might wait for a sale. Just buy yeah. a used copy or something. That's the kind of timing yeah. I'm on now with, with video games. Cause, yeah, mm-hmm. I spend too yeah. much on them personally. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's, we, I mean, we love the hobby and we love, you know, the art of it. So it's easy to justify when something new comes out and when you get burned, it's just the worst. It hurts. It hurts, especially with a franchise that's, you know, you hold in such a high mm-hmm. category. Yeah. Oh, man. Won't be the last, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it definitely will not. It definitely uh, will not. We're going to get burned again, I'm sure. <laughs> certain of it even being conservative purchasing it's still gonna I'm sure we'll, yeah. someone will get us a developer will yeah. get us. i just hope it's not naughty dog oh my gosh <laughs> don't put that out there brandon don't put that out there <laughs> i just hope it's not naughty dog uh, oh man well would you like to to wrap it up yeah thank you so much for tuning in to the 85th episode of the sticky buttons podcast this was a pleasure as always to make you know the best way you could support us to share with a friend support our patreon follow us on instagram subscribe to us on youtube uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of great content on youtube tune into blake star logs those are very very entertaining and yeah stay tuned <laughs> yeah, i've been streaming some starfield i just did the 10th log or log entry and that was a lot of fun i had a i like stormed a facility it was like overrun by robots. I guess I don't want to spoil the ending, but <laughs> yeah, they ended okay, I suppose. <laughs> so definitely tune into that. But yeah, the best way you can support us is to share it with a friend. It would mean the world to us. We put a lot into the show, so sharing it would really help us out. If you support us on Patreon, we have a Minecraft server that we jump into. And by the time this is out, we will have published our Q3 Patreon episode which we had a lot of fun recording and I feel like there's something else on the tip of my tongue and I lost it. Just thank you. I guess. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning It means the world to us here. Maybe it wasn't I guess, a cursed oh, episode. That's what I was going to say. It, it turned out to not be such a cursed episode or maybe it was. <laughs> I guess it's not over yet. <laughs> it's still recording. What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Mario? Luigi? <laughs> Waluigi, Waluigi, Wario. <laughs> we could keep going, Brandon, if you want. You ever played Yoshi's Island? <laughs> Let me tell you about a game called Mario Kart. <laughs> Have you gotten the blue shell recently? <laughs> oh, man. The blue shell is lethal. I can't. What's your favorite power-up? can't stand the blue shell, dude. Yeah. What's your favorite? What's the one that you go for? When you're playing the star, the star, yeah, I love the I sound. The I love the sound it makes, and you just like invincible. You can bump okay. into anybody. I'm the golden mushroom. The golden mushroom. Okay, that's smart. Yeah, just... yeah the tap. That's my favorite. Although I do like the three mushrooms. I feel like whenever I get the three mushrooms, 
if I like wait for a corner, like cut an edge, you I feel really, like that yeah, works for you me. Can really get ahead. The bullet's a good item too. Have you ever gotten like the full like the infinity? Or I don't know what it's called, where you get like in Mario Kart 8, where you get like all of them, like all the items. No, have you I gotten have, that? I have not you have to be doing bad. So if you get it, it's like yeah, you get all the items, but it's also, it's also like yeah, you're, you're not doing. You're not. You need you're them all. Doing so hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm I'm always top three. I'm always top three. I mean, top okay. two and not two. <laughs> all right, we gotta hop in online. I guess we'll see how you do yeah, that. Yeah, we gotta test out my Mario Kart skills. My drifting is mean, dude. Yeah. What character do you normally rock? Shy guy. Shy guy or shy guy? Do you do motorcycles then? Shy guy? Do you do the carts? No, I do the carts. With dry bones, I do motorcycles a lot. Dry bones is good. I've been doing Tanuki Mario recently. Tanuki Mario. That's like the mushroom? Tanuki Mario. He's in a cat suit. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes, I know what you're talking about. That's awesome. I honestly, I only get it because whenever you like hit a jump, he goes like, Tanuki! <laughs> That's really cool. I wonder what game, what Mario game that's from. I never I played it. I think it's from like, like Mario 2 or Mario 3. I don't know. I don't, I've never really played Mario. No, yeah. I know, I, know there's a, I know there's a big one that's out right now. A lot of people are playing. Yeah. Not for me, I guess. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I used to. That I used to love playing it. But I'm more of a Super Smash Bros. kind of guy. Yeah, I need to get that game. I really want to play that. I feel like we should talk about this off air. Definitely. Let's get out of here before that we curse this episode. Let's, yeah, let's. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, y'all. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Tanuki. <laughs>